The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing this wonderful Sunday morning? Uh, I am absolutely fantastic. I was enjoying the warmer weather, but um, unfortunately, it doesn't always stay here in the wonderful state of Pennsylvania. Um, I am back on caffeine. Take a second for the sip. Um, debate is dead. <laughs> um this is something that i came to the conclusion recently after i heard a bunch of people say it but i'm more certain of it now than i was before um we're gonna get into it today i don't know how long i'm gonna go oh good morning trey good to see you brother hope all is well um we'll discuss it hopefully there will be a few more people in here and we can just kind of shoot the shit as you guys know these sundays are usually pretty casual for me i don't like to scream and yell I like to sit here and uh, drink my coffee with my wonderful audience and all you wonderful people out there. So uh, make sure you hit like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, feel free to check out the links below, tigerfitness.com. I just got my three boxes of Outright Bars chocolate chip, uh, birthday cake, and the double chocolate crisp. And I got my multivitamin, pump pre-workout, some electrolytes, um, and I pre-ordered four pounds of protein, two pounds of cookies and cream, and two pounds of ice cream uh, sandwich one. I've never had that protein flavor before, but anyways, you can get all that stuff at tigerfitness.com. Hit the link below to uh, make sure you let them know that the In Liberty and Health podcast sent you there. Uh, Drinklmnt.com slash In Liberty and Health for the world's best electrolytes. If you're ketogenic, um, especially if you're on a low carb diet, those electrolytes are absolutely wonderful. I use them myself still to this day, even though I'm not low carbohydrate and I find that they help me with performance and hydration. And then obviously this stream is bought, bought, <laughs> brought to you by the wonderful Fox and Sons coffee, which currently is in my mug right now. Um, I think it's a Brazil honey prep. I think that's probably my favorite but i ground that coffee up a while ago and i'm um, finally getting back to drinking it so i know this is a long introduction but i promise you we're gonna get right into it and as usual um we'll just kind of a back and forth a little bit of a chill stream this morning so uh let's rock and roll what is up everybody my name is kyle matovic i am the host of the in liberty and health podcast where we talk all things liberty health and wellness and beyond my hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical, and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. More time. Good morning. 
my Nashville cup. I don't remember if I was using this uh, last time I was drinking coffee on stream. I know uh, last one of these streams I did, I was currently fasting from caffeine, which uh, I want to talk about that a little bit today, too. I think that's a very, very beneficial. Um, Trey, uh, wife is sick, but other than that, everything's good. Good to hear. Hopefully she has a quick and speedy recovery. Uh, my wife, uh, back in December... <laughs> that uh there was like some tiktok trend something about a 90 day cough or something like that um a lot of people i knew were suffering from that in fact my one parts guy uh said that he had the same deal so apparently there was quite a i don't want to say like a nasty bug but just like a cough going around um but yeah debate is dead we're going to talk about that a little bit but first <laughs> it's it's against my personal interest here and against my dear friend steve and uh fox's interest as well for me to tell you about taking a break from caffeine and fuck even uh mts nutrition because they have really really great pre-workout but um i did like 10 days without caffeine and the first day kind of sucked but other than that it wasn't too too bad um, the nice part about being off the caffeine is that you're a little bit more steady rather than highs and lows and being completely exhausted. Um, I can't really say my sleep quality improved too, too much. Uh, I normally am in bed by about eight o'clock, but, um, what was I going to say? Uh, I normally stop drinking caffeine by about, I, I try to cut it off at 1 PM because the half-life of caffeine is six hours so after six hours if you have 100 milligrams of caffeine then you're only gonna have 50 milligrams of caffeine in your system and then the whole life i think is like a little bit shorter than that or i'm sorry not five to six hours but like it's not 12 hours it's like eight hours i think all the caffeine is officially out of your system so like if you have a cup of coffee at like three then by 9 p.m you could still have 40 50 or if you drink coffee like i do like a fucking maniac then um, you could still have you know 50 milligrams of caffeine pulsing through your veins by the time you go to sleep i uh, yeah, i think i had that towards the end of the last end of the year last year yeah um I, I it didn't seem like any fun i've been coughing and sneezing a little bit more which is weird because normally i don't have i i don't i shouldn't say normally i don't have allergies but normally i don't get sick all that much um I had the vid twice, I had it once in 2021, and then I had it once around this time last year. And around this time last year, it was, it was pretty brutal. I mean, <laughs> I would like to promote myself as a paragon of health, although I'm far from perfect. Um, I'm a pretty healthy guy, and yeah, it, it put me down. I was feeling pretty rough. So um, yeah, long story short, taking a fast from caffeine isn't a bad idea because it can re-stigmatize you to caffeine and the boost that you feel and like caffeine is actually good for you like i don't believe there are a lot of downsides so like the diuretic effect that a lot of people talk about when it comes to caffeine um it's pretty like it's not a big deal because the water you're getting from coffee or whatever you're drinking typically um gets rid of that diuretic effect Try not to smack my lips on stream. So if I do that, I apologize. All right, now I have the sugar-free creamer hazelnut with a little bit of Fairlife chocolate to get um a little bit of chocolate hazelnut flavor. I think that's uh good stuff. Uh, my buddy's coming in here. Um, but yeah, the ninety-day cough is what people called it, and I heard that sucked. Uh, taking a break from caffeine is a good thing because <laughs> um, for a while there, I was probably up to like 500, 600 milligrams a day of caffeine, which is just like full-on blast, and and obviously you're not really getting any benefit if you're using that much caffeine i mean i would have uh 
my fat burner, which was actually 50 milligrams caffeine first thing in the morning, and then I'd have a cup of coffee on the way to work, and then I'd have one-on-one I was at work, sometimes I'd have an energy drink. Um, on Sundays, I'd take my pre-workouts. I mean, I was just always, you know, charged up on caffeine, which, like I said, there's no real... Um, no real downsides to caffeine, but you just don't want to be blasting it 24-7 because you're going to lose all the benefits of it. I stay around the recommended 400 milligrams a day. Is it really 400? I thought it was 300, but I don't know for sure, to be completely honest with you. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it without it, though, for the two kids. Yeah, well, you know, I, I will definitely find out about that soon. So actually, let me Google this here. And, you know, just so that way you guys don't think I'm bullshitting you. Um, present. look up what is the tallest penguin <laughs> yeah in case you guys are ever wondering i do google goofy shit uh what is the maximum recommended caffeine what is the max caffeine you can have in a day? Okay, yeah, Trey, you're right. 400 milligrams uh, for healthy adults. FDA has said 400 milligrams a day, and it's about four or five cups of coffee is an amount, but not generally associated with dangerous negative effects. Um, <laughs> it, it, people also ask, is 1,000 milligrams caffeine a day too much? Doses of 1,000 milligrams of coffee, approximately 15 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, have generated detrimental side effects and may progress to mild um, delirium, emesis, and convulsions. Jeez. You know, let's look at this. I am actually kind of curious. Um, other symptoms include tachycardia, acetal, rapid respiration. One potential risk of or one one potential risk of high dose of caffeine that needs further substantiation is dose related decrements in mental functioning. A number of researchers have found that high dose of caffeine could adversely affect mental performance. Kaplan and colleagues in 1997 reported that enhanced performance on cognitive tasks and healthy volunteers in higher doses led to less favorable subjective reports. Um, so is this like a meta analysis or is this one study? I don't know. Um, doesn't say up here weird safety of caffeine usage um i did a whole podcast on this and funny enough is actually my most um downloaded one if you look up the caffeine podcast uh i think i entitled it what about caffeine i couldn't tell you the episode number off the top of my head um what the fuck these caffeine feeds yeah no a thousand milligrams caffeine is doing quite a bit um there's this dude i always call him uh i think i call him juice tart or something like that that goes to my gym and he's a good dude but like he's just he's clearly on gear he is obnoxiously loud and I like helped him the one day and he was going to failure on the linear hack press which i fucking hate that squat machine but anyways he was going to failure on it and me and him were just talking about caffeine he's like oh yeah i'm up to like a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day i'm like jesus dude <laughs> like that is a lot but you know back in the day good morning um we would have never really got that much naturally so um and by like all my research caffeine doesn't really seem to have a lot of side effects but i'm sure if you're sitting there blasting a thousand milligrams of caffeine you're probably going to see some downsides eventually about sneezing earlier my buddy's over there uh axton my dog 
is a season his brains off. Um, but yeah, to get up to a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day, you're gonna you're like pounding energy drinks. So like a uh not a two liter, but like your typical, I think it's a, like a pint size bottle. So like your regular bottle of Mountain Dew, um, Pepsi, stuff like that. I think those have about 60 milligrams of caffeine. A regular can has like 25, 30 or something like that. So um, if you really start pounding back pop, you can actually stack it up pretty quick. Now, granted, I drink a decent bit of pop as well, but uh, I don't go to that extreme. So uh, maybe I should get back onto a topic. Debate is dead. <laughs> Finally get there, I promise. Um, why did I make the title of this stream, Debate is Dead? And um, I've, I've been messing with the thumbnails a little bit. Uh, one of the episodes I did earlier this week, Useful Idiots, uh, that one seemed to get a decent bit of traction compared to my other streams where I changed up the uh, thumbnail. Yeah, caffeine adds up fast. Yeah, it does. When you drink a cup of coffee and then an energy drink, a pre-workout, and all this other stuff, yeah, your caffeine starts to add up pretty quick. Um, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, he said I like the new thumbnail. Uh, debate is dead. Well, what are people doing when they debate so you know what let's actually i'll see if i can find you get lots of interesting thumbnails and it's funny how the uh gop debates have kind of completely overtaken the search term debate so let me exit out of this study make sure okay yeah pulled it up right see i literally typed up debate and literally everything is political so you have ron DeSantis and nikki haley Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, <laughs> Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, just literally all the Republicans debating and, uh, you know, kind of what that entails. Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. God, is he just rotund. Like, I, I wonder if Chris Christie was out of breath by the time he was done debating. <laughs> I, I know it's like low hanging fruit, but good God, dude. Like, wouldn't you think to just do a little bit of cardio and come into like a little bit better of shape when you go to a debate? I don't know, man. Uh, part of the reason why I like RFK, and yes, I, I vehemently disagree with so many of his takes. Um, he's at least fit. Like, the dude has like a defined chest, defined abs at like 70 years old. Um, can we not just have a president that's not. 80 or 90 years old i mean good lord i think i talked about it a little bit on um, a couple podcasts ago when i was talking about like the uh tucker putin interview like where are our magnificent elites like tucker carlson i think is actually a decent example of a admirable elite now i disagree with tucker on a decent bit of stuff as well but like he's at least an impressive person like he was willing to go into russia and then press putin on releasing a hostage like that is fucking admirable um he's very competent he's well informed he's a knowledgeable person i don't think he's a good interviewer and i know a lot of people like him and he gets a ton of press i think it's just because he's been like a prominent figure for a long time i really don't think it's like the substance of what he's talking about because i like i said i do not believe he's a good interviewer um his trump interview was very very underwhelming um the tucker putin interview i thought was actually pretty good but I don't know. I just don't find Tucker all that entertaining. And I think people lose a little bit of objective analysis when it comes to him. But, like, he's an impressive person nonetheless. Um, he's had a very, very wide-ranging career. And he at least seems to think critically on stuff. And by think critically, I mean, like, he objectively analyzes things and then changes his mind over time. And it seems like he's coming from a sincere place. Uh, Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk are the most impressive elites right now. Well, yeah, exactly. So, like... 
um, Elon Musk has established himself as an elite through building companies and by having a unique personality in the media space and serving a very unique purpose in the media space as well. Um, and yes, you can knock him from a libertarian angle and say that, oh my God, he provided all, he provided all these Starlink terminals to Ukraine and he does deserve criticized for that. But we can also realize that him changing the way that we consume and can access media through Twitter, and I'm not going to call it X, it's fucking Twitter. <laughs> the way that he changed all that is of large benefit to people like us, you know, whether you call yourself a dissident right winger, libertarian or what have you. Um, that is very, very beneficial. And to downplay that, I think we do that to our own um, detriment, to be completely honest with you. But, uh, you know, that's kind of irrelevant from a lot of the stuff I'm talking about here. But uh, it's – you can't really look at I, – I don't think we should look at this in any negative way to say that, like, okay, Elon Musk buying Twitter is a bad thing and Tucker Carlson going and interviewing Putin is a bad thing because neither of those things are bad. Like, I thought those were two very, very interesting moments in – I don't even – in history, really, come to think of it because, like – I don't think we're really going to understand how like this whole internet deal plays out until we're, you know, years and years down the line, because like, we don't realize how significant what we're living through is until like, we're already past it and then look at it from the past. Um, the reason he did that was an optics thing more than anything. He's trying to play both sides, but he also told them they couldn't use Star uh, Starlink for doing drone strikes or whatever. Well, <laughs> what he says and what actually happens could be two different things. I know you're not, condoning this but um yeah i think that's a lot of what he does um is that he generally just tries to do a lot of both sides stuff and i mean you see this with his stance kind of on the ukraine stuff when he says like hey i want the war to end but then you know at the same time as i said he provides starling terminals to ukraine and he does have a lot of uh, military contracts and stuff like that uh elon, elon is incredibly neutral on most stuff but i think that might change somewhat soon yeah i, I mean I, I think when you kind of get in charge of a company and you're surrounded by a lot of people like he is and you're this big tech oligarch for lack of a better word uh i, I think it's hard not to get pushed one direction or another so like i get it and he's not in our kind of circle. Like he sees a lot of the more mainstream right wing figures um, like Robbie Martin and Abby Martin always knock him for replying to these stupid fucking right wingers like Mike Cernovich or uh, Ian Miles Chong, Jack Posobiec, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And Vivek isn't like stupid. I'm, I'm a little bit more neutral on Vivek. There's things I disagree with him on and things that I agree with him on. But like, um, I think he's trying to cultivate Twitter in a different way and I don't say dewokifying it, but trying to elevate the dissident opinion a little bit more, which I can give him credit for. And I think he's actually doing a decent job of that by replying to some of those accounts. And then he's actually, you know, done those debate or I don't know if he hosted the spaces, but he was able to kind of lift the visibility of some of these spaces up with, with like the Krasensteins, those stupid DNC bots and some of the other people, which I think is admirable. So, um, and actually to Twitter's credit, very, very large part, the community notes stuff has actually been very, very good. Like I think community notes on net has been more hits than misses. Now I've, I've seen some misses, 
but overall i think that they hit more than they miss so before i continue on here let me run a advertisement and we'll be right back all right guys we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor we are now brought to you by fox and sons coffees you can see right here i got the den blend dark really enjoy that um i've been drinking a lot of their brazil honey prep right here you can hear there's not a lot of beans left in it because i've been drinking it quite a bit um just tell you a little bit about fox and sons why i support them and why you should too is that uh steven had started the company up in michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship um i'm all about that and i do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes we have to support those who support similar values as us and steven does support all the same libertarian values that i bring and talk about on the show a lot so go to foxandsons.com use code kyle at checkout to get 15% off of orders, $25 or more. And there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99. Um, find their coffee absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure you will too. So uh, one more time, go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get yourself a little discount. Let them know I sent you and support the coffee that supports you. All right, guys, thanks. Back to the show. Uh, Twitter is generally better, all except the censorship still generally being there. I mean, I can say the word retard as long as I don't call anyone else one. You know what? I've kind of been lucky, and I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of surprised that I haven't gotten suspended or smacked on Twitter too, too much. Now, I think the last time – I can't remember the last time I got a 12-hour ban. I know I got one relatively recently. I just can't remember what it was for. Um, oh, oh yeah, I had the uh, <laughs> I shared the AI art of uh, Taylor Swift uh, getting nailed by I think it was Oscar or no no Mr. Krabs it was Mr. Krabs <laughs> so that was the last time I got a uh, a twelve hour Twitter ban was for showing a uh, video or the uh, sharing the picture of um, Taylor Swift nailing Mr. Krabs yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was it um, so yeah if you ever see an AI image uh, I, I'm I'm gonna say now probably don't share that but um you know to, to um yeah was <laughs> to push back on that a little bit i do think that like the censorship is a little bit better uh, i i don't know if i would have got suspended for saying cunt before but i've uh <laughs> yeah swift is big man <laughs> um I, i've said cunt quite a few times and i'm kind of surprised that that one never really got reported but um oh god i'm way off on on left field here but yeah so like when it comes to debate though what are people really trying to do anymore when it comes to debate? Because the formal definition of debate, which I should have left the share screen up, is uh, um, from the Oxford languages, excuse me, a formal discussion on a particular topic in a public meeting or legislative assembly in which opposing arguments are are put forward. Um, we really don't debate ideas anymore. You know, like nobody really comes into a debate with the honest expectation that the other side's going to change their mind anymore. At least if there are, I ain't seen it. Generally what it is now is just the <laughs> brand on brand, right? Uh, debate, the exchange of ideas. Yeah. And that's kind of what the thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, what we currently have the war of ideology. Well, yeah. And that kind of leads into what I'm saying here is that like, generally you're having brand on brand, like two brands going after one another to just yell at each other and bring their audiences and whoever brings the biggest audience 
is the winner. So like that Bryson Gray dude told me to go debate him because I said he's <laughs> he's like the libertarian of Christians, isn't he? Just makes the idea of Christianity and Christians as a whole look very very bad because how like how poorly he presents himself and like i'm not knocking christianity and i know a lot of people are going to assume that i am and i know when people see me saying stuff about religion or about religious people they may assume that i'm attacking religion as a whole and i'm not because i am very very ignorant of religion i've been the, I've, I've always admitted that so um i'm friends with lots of religious people like a lot of the orthodox um christian guys i'm really good friends with and i think they're absolutely fantastic people and um I've I've really enjoyed learning about their faith, but um, when you go around and you're wearing your religion as a skin suit, um, it's really unattractive, at least to me. Maybe there's other people who feel vilified or, you know, they feel good about that, but I really don't think that's like a good idea to go beat people over the head with your religion. So like my friend, uh, Glenn Lawrence, who I had on the show, um, he doesn't do this so like on his show he talks about improving the church overall which i think is a very very noble goal because um trey i'm sure you could relate and i'm sure all the other religious people or the orthodox christians could relate to this as well maybe not with their church in particular but like with the catholic church and some of the other churches where now you see they have pride flags put up or the israel flags put up um it's kind of not what it should be um and once again i'm in no space to i'm not the right person to critique them but i'm also not well enough informed to really have a perfect opinion on this but my understanding is that like when you have a lot of this stuff clearly the church isn't condoning transgenderism it's not condoning gays lesbians or anything like that um it's completely antithetical to their values so what glenn talks a lot about is basically bringing the church back to its traditional values so like i know a lot of people throw shit at like the idea of tradition but like tradition in respect of like what the church is supposed to uphold and my understanding is that they're not supposed to uphold you know a foreign nation they're not supposed to uphold lgbtq rights they're supposed to uphold christ and what they view as their highest value through um their religious texts um it's the ratio of the public space with ideas well yeah and, and like so that Bryson dude, when he came after me, he said, oh, do you want to debate about this? I don't want to debate about it. Why would I debate you? You have like a hundred times the following I do. I have almost 3,000 followers on Twitter. You have like 200,000. What is going to happen? <laughs> I'm going to go in there. You're going to call me a stupid D-Gen, red pill dude, asshole, whatever. And all your followers are going to beat their faces off the keyboard, hit the keys, and just you know laugh along and clap. And then uh the handful of followers i have that come listen are going to call you a jack off or you know some prude or something like that and we're going to go we're going to go about our merry ways and nothing's going to change so what is the purpose of that debate exactly other than just getting eyes and clout <laughs> like there is no more sincere exchange of ideas where you're going into debate wondering if you could change your mind um now i do enjoy watching debates quote unquote because um i, I think at least I am intellectually honest enough, or at least I would like to believe on a lot of things that if presented with sufficient evidence, I would change my mind. So like when it comes to nutrition stuff, um, 
there is enough evidence and good evidence that you can and you should change your mind when it comes to the um, nutrition stuff because i think those studies are very, very well controlled and the science surrounding nutrition is generally well done enough and replic replicatable that you can get a good idea of what the truth actually is or at least get as close to the truth as you possibly can when it comes to like social sciences this stuff is a lot more sticky because as of i think it was like 2015 or 2010 we've had the crisis of replicability where basically like they're not able to replicate a lot of these studies done in social sciences and i think this was like 50 percent of the studies couldn't be replicated 50 or 80 percent of the studies um i don't have the exact number off the top of my head but basically um they can't replicate these social science studies because too many different factors and it's kind of understandable. So like when you're talking about overall, like social sciences, you can't really debate that stuff because eventually you are going to come down to an individual's interpretation of the literature and you have so many different biases in all directions. Like you can't really double blind people to how much sex somebody has had with somebody and how many partners a person has had versus somebody you know who has like no partners when it comes to like marriage so like when people talk about body count stuff you can't really debate that with any great substance because it's a lot harder to have a control versus you know somebody who was messed with or something like that if you guys understand what i'm saying so like you couldn't double blind somebody to sleep with 20 people and then have somebody that like Thought they'd say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill did but didn't when it comes to nutrition you can give people placebo and what's really interesting is that like people can actually change their psychology based on placebo and this isn't just like bs like people legitimately if they believe that they've been given something that's going to increase their performance then they will legitimately increase their athletic performance because of that belief that they have well when you <laughs> when it comes to relationships and then like people over a long period of time there's just too many subjective factors to factor into a social science study. So that's why I don't think when it comes to red pill stuff, even so like intersexual dynamics, this is a lot harder of a debate to have than it is with like nutrition stuff. Um, there's no way to verify individual stories. That's why questions of research survey stock. Well, yeah, exactly. So like when people talk about happiness, people say, Oh, well, women are so much less happy today than they were 50, 60 years ago. Okay. Well, like, how do you measure happiness? Like, what is the objective measure of happiness? Do you just ask people? Because right now, I'm generally happy. Like, I'm not a very neurotic person. So, like, if you ask me nine times out of ten if I'm happy or not, I'm probably going to say I'm happy because I have a generally positive outlook on life. I'm a very optimistic person, and I love living life. <laughs> like, I find a lot of purpose and enjoyment in a lot of the things that I do. Now, if I'm working on cars and um you know something's not going right then yeah my answer may change but like happiness is such a subjective measure that like you can't have an objective outcome when it comes to happiness so like when you poll people on oh well how do you generally feel about stuff well if you pull a republican right now on how things are going they're going to say things are bad 
if you pull a Democrat on how things are going, I would say there's probably a decent bit of Democrats because Joe Biden does suck. They're going to say things aren't going that well, but like there's some people who are just going to cheer for their team no matter what. Um, I'm sure if you even pulled a lot of Republicans in 2020 when things were going very, very bad at the height of lockdowns and everything, they still probably would have said things are going good because it's just their guy in the White House. So once again, their subjective feeling is that things are going good. Um, the same way as you see all these news anchors saying, oh, Biden is doing great. He's delivering on all of his promises. They, they, every single political pundit is going to say that their preferred leader is delivering on all their promises, even if they're not. And like, this is just what happens in politics. People don't deliver on stuff. Yeah, but Democrats who say things suck will not, now will say it's because, well, yeah, exactly. So like right now, it's generally the uh, oppression Olympics. Yeah, well, not because of the direction our country is going in. Well, yeah, but I mean, like even that. So like, I guess to give credit to your point, Trey, is that like some on the right, not all, but well, you know, I, I can't even really say what my what my point was going to be is like um, a lot of Republicans will at least cite economic stuff like economic numbers about why the economy is going the way that it's going but like when it comes to unemployment um trump when he was campaigning in 2015 was saying that oh look at the unemployment numbers they're actually false and he was he was dead on about this he was correct um he said oh well you have to look at the workforce participation rate and he pointed out okay well the unemployment could actually be anywhere of like you know, 30 to even 40%. Like there's clips of him saying that. And as soon as he became president, he turned around and said, oh my God, unemployment's so low. Um, look, it's at like five, 6%. But then he completely forgot about what he himself said that you have to look at the um, workforce participation rate. Now, once again, politicians just do this because they're going to point to the bad numbers when things aren't going their way or blame the other guy. And then when things are going their way, they're going to point to the good numbers and ignore the bad numbers. So, um, like Biden's doing this now and they're, they're saying, oh, well, look at all these economic markers. Like early on, for example, when um Biden got re or when Biden got elected, he said that the country's going in a good direction. Look how many jobs that we created. Well, <laughs> there was just a year of lockdown, you know, a year or two of lockdowns where people lost their jobs on mass and a lot of businesses didn't come back. So like when you had severe lockdowns and then you don't have lockdowns. <laughs> And then all of these people are going back to work. Of course it looks good. So you're going to cite those numbers. But like, that's my whole point is that like, you could debate these things, but then you have to look out, look at the whole context. So like the end of like 20, let's say 2017 to late 2019, um, you're going to look at generally good numbers because um, from the great recession back in 2008, things went down and then, you know, the Obama recovery Things got better and better and better, but not really like in any meaningful way because we lived in a bubble and interest rates were artificially low, but you left a recession. So things have to get better because you're no longer in a recession. Then you lower interest rates, give everybody a bunch of free money. People can borrow a bunch of free money at basically the same as cash. And then you feel like things are recovering, right? And then Trump gets in and he, he rightfully knocked a lot of the Obama stuff. He said, this economy is held up by artificially low interest rates. Trump was dead on about everything that he said when he was campaigning. The only problem was as soon as he got in, flipped on all of it. And then he started claiming cre credit for the bubble recovery. So, um, you know, then in 2020, what happens? The bubble pops. COVID, you know, I, I don't think that even if COVID wasn't a thing, we were still headed for a recession anyways. But um, COVID was just the pin that pricked the bubble. And it wasn't just the economic bubbles, a lot of other things as well. Um, we don't live in, in the age of exchange anymore. It's a war of belief. Who do you believe? 
exactly. Yes. GM G Forte. If I still had coffee in my mug, actually I got like a little sip. Good morning. Uh J Forte, I'm sure you're probably drinking uh Fox and Sons as well. If not, um, good morning, and I hope you guys are doing well. Um but yeah, this is basically what happens now is that people are just going to find their specific context. They're going to take a very, very narrow window of time and opportunity and basically bastardize everything that they're going to present to you in a debate and tell you this is how it is. Um, and I think we even saw this back in the early 2000s with it was Al Gore, I think, who used to present like these doom and gloom predictions for climate change. But then like at the end of his graph, if you would have went out a little bit further, then things actually got a lot better. I don't have like that exact graph or anything like that or remember it off the top of my head. But um, basically, this is just what people do is that they're going to present you a very, very by sample of data or they're going to, you know, pull something out in a vacuum to show you to convince you of something rather than just say, hey, this is the objective truth of what I'm presenting here, the benefits, the costs, whatever. Take that for what it is. Well, when I talk to people about seed oils or stuff like that, then like I can say seed oils are only bad for you in the fact that like over the last couple decades, added oils, fats are the largest contributor to energy excess um more than anything else and now when you put a whole bunch of seed oils into a candy bar and then put a whole bunch of sugar in there as well it's hyper palatable so you don't want to stop eating because fats and carbohydrates together are very very hyper palatable now what a lot of people on like the ketogenic or anti-seed oil train are going to say is that oh well look then seed oils are killing you they're making you fat they're so bad for you look at all this disease but what they're leaving out is that those people when you look at these studies of that are claiming that seed oils are bad for you it's because their calories were never controlled it's the same deal with sugar too actually um people don't present this data as like hey these people all ate too much because seed oils and sugar together or you know both these things alone when added to foods tend to make them a little bit more palatable so therefore people overeat get fat and then get you know lots of all, all the health consequences of being obese well, people leave out the full context of energy excess and just say, well, these things are bad because uh, they don't they don't add the because they just say these things are bad um, because look at the outcomes. But they don't say, OK, well, if you actually control calories and everything's fine um, now, not the same thing or the same thing cannot be said for saturated fat is my understanding. So like when people are actually in an energy deficit um, and we're consuming excess saturated fat, as in like more than. 10% of overall calorie, or I think it's like 15% of calories per day, even in energy deficit, they still um, gain more liver fat, which is obviously bad for disease and stuff like that. Um, even in energy deficit, they still saw worse markers for liver fat and blood markers. Uh, wait, are you telling me that bro scientists are right and you shouldn't just eat like an asshole? <laughs> yes. Um, we live in a world of fakeness. Our realities are all fake, so there's no reason to debate it because it's all what you believe. Well, you know what? And this is kind of a point that I got to a couple weeks ago when I did a podcast on nihilism and meaning, I think it was called. Um, this is why I, I don't want to say preach, but why I talk about red pill so much is because um, <laughs> you're going to get lied to and manipulated by everybody all the time. So what you I don't want to say should, but what you should do <laughs> is realize that and then determine, okay, well, what beliefs 
what ideas are going to help me live the best life that I possibly can. So the reason why I put a lot of faith in nutritional studies is because I see this information as a tool set that helps me live a better life. So like when it comes to people doing the carnivore diet, let's say, if believing that carbohydrates are evil and if you eat them, you're going to die, which I disagree with that completely, gets you to lose a bunch of weight. I may disagree with that, but overall, that's not like the worst thing in the world because you're losing a lot of weight and then getting healthier because of that. So all things considered, um, you would probably be healthier if you did it in a more you know flexible dining way or include more fruits and vegetables. But if you lose 50 pounds because you did the carnivore diet or 70 pounds in my case, because you did the carnivore diet, then you're in a better place, but you're not in as good of a place you would be if you included, you know, fruits and vegetables in your diet. But once again, the net effect is still, you're probably healthier than you were. So that belief overall benefited you. Um, <laughs> no, the slide is, I've never seen a, per a thin person drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> means that people who are drinking Diet Coke are not also doing things that will improve their weight. It's not the Diet Coke, it's the activity. Exactly. And that's exactly my point. So like, people don't generally see someone like me drinking a shitload of Diet Pop. They see the fat person who goes to the restaurant and then gets the appetizer, the fattiest steak with the sweet potato, or not the sweet potato, you know, sweet potato dump with sugar and cinnamon and all that stuff on it. And I eat this stuff too, don't get me wrong. But, um, they're seeing a person who gets a Diet Coke with like the three course meal and the dessert that's a chocolate cake that's 800 calories and they go home and drink a beer and then go to sleep. They see that, but they don't see somebody who moderates their intake or restricts so they can enjoy those things in the context of a healthy, a healthy, healthy, healthy lifestyle. Um, wait, <laughs> you're going to sit there and tell me that us as omnivores should need a variety of food. I know. Shocking. Um, basically like if to go back to the point that I was making is that like, I really do think that using nutritional sciences to make your life better is the way that you should look at like nutritional sciences. Now, when it comes to social sciences, um, if believing that all women are sluts and all, all women are going to, I don't say baby grape you, but you know, going to trap you in a bad marriage, gets you to be skeptical of what women say and what women do and get you to be a little bit more critical of your own personal relationships when it comes to women. And that leads you to living a better life and being a little bit more discerning in your interactions with people overall. I think that's actually a good belief. Now, don't go schizoid about it, but just understand that that can happen. So what a lot of people in the red pill sphere and myself would say is that it's not that any woman will, it's that any woman can. Now, what does this have to do with, what does this have to do with debate? Um, we could sit here and talk about this stuff all day long, but at the end of the day, people are still going to believe what they're going to believe. People don't go to debates or watch debates to get a genuine understanding of ideas. They're there to just watch the blood sport. They want to see somebody just clown somebody. Well, <laughs> all women are sluts. My beautiful wife is an exception to the rule. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Your wife's a slut, but my wife definitely isn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, people don't go to debates anymore for a sincere change of mind. There are people, I think, on the fringes who kind of watch this for an objective analysis and try to decide um, what the truth really is. But generally... Um, I was watching the debate with uh, my friend Jacob Winograd, who I hope you guys are familiar with. 
um, when he debated Jack Lloyd on Israel Palestine. Um, and I actually thought he did a really good job, but there were some stuff that like Jack had brought up that I think was actually interesting and stuff that I didn't know. And I don't want to say it changed my perspective, but give me a little bit more information. Like I thought a lot of it was just kind of like, oh, well, why aren't you guys freaking out about what this country did to this group of people? Well, the main reason why libertarians and anti-interventionists focus on Israel so much is because the disproportionate amount of aid that um, the U.S. is giving to Israel um, when it comes to other countries doing stuff like if, let's say, Iraq was killing Christians, which I'm sure there probably has been situations of this, um, I'm sure that there's been military money that's been given to Iraq and some of that may have ended up killing Christians, but that's not like the overarching narrative of the money that's going to Iraq and it's nowhere near as much that has been given to Israel to kill Palestinians. So that's why we're so focused on that. But like even when I talk about this, um, if I try to debate this stuff, it's not some people people are still going to believe what they're going to believe like if i debate a zionist um they're not going to change their mind on their position like i'm going to present this data and the audience who agrees with me is going to walk away saying oh yeah this is great you're right and the people who um disagree with me are going to say i'm an idiot and a leftist and i have a marxist worldview or whatever uh change my mind is not actually about changing crowder's mind it was always about contrasting the opposition that's all it is we don't believe in what we don't believe exactly that's that's spot on um now what i do kind of like about the whole change my mind thing and crowder you know neither here nor there but uh at least it's kind of interesting to hear him engage with people and hear other people engage with him and get a different perspective on things like i i still think hearing two people talk about ideas is valuable and interesting but like a debate's not a debate anymore it's a conversation it's two people exchanging their ideas and basically just seeing if they can pump their brand up more and that's really all we do anymore like there's not even like the the presidential debates like no one really who is going to vote for biden is even going to remotely consider voting for trump like that is just outside of their lexicon because they believe that trump is just the worst thing in the world and that he you know is going to bring about the the fourth reich or whatever <laughs> like nobody who is seriously considering voting for biden is going to have a huge change of heart and then decide that they're going to um vote for biden instead or vote for trump instead like that, that's just not in their lexicon and you know to be fair nobody voting for trump is going to consider voting for biden reasonably so um debate's dead and i don't think it's coming back should we stop all debates no because i think it's still a good idea to hear both sides of an idea but like for the most part we're not going to change our minds on stuff like we're people are so dug in to their positions and you're not going to break them out of it <laughs> crowder is massive um faggot I, I think that's the one you're going for f slur but i do enjoy his content got to separate the art from the artist even if they are canadian <laughs> yeah i mean like to that point if I hated every single person who was a leftist or disagreed with my position on everything, I wouldn't like anybody. I mean, because I'm a huge musician, I'm a huge metal fan. So obviously all the people who are um, in music generally are left-leaning because leftists tend to be a little bit more creative than right-wingers. Like, let's just be honest here. I don't know many right-wingers who just crush it in music. Like Ted Nugent is like the first one that comes off the top of my head who made like sincerely good music that was enjoyable but who else <laughs> i can't really think of anyone else who's like a hardcore right winger that made good music like i think even like brad paisley 
is a huge Democrat. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, people talk about how he met up with like Barack Obama and stuff like that. But like, once again, you're just not going to change these people's minds on their positions. And why should you? At the end of the day, people are going to believe what they're going to believe. Um, whoever wins the presidency is... <laughs> There's not much difference between Trump and Biden on a lot of issues. Now, like, granted, I still prefer Trump to Biden. Uh, my old man, no one has a conversation and exchange ideas. It's just an agreement. Regardless, best bullshit. <laughs> Even when someone's standing on facts deflated by somebody with a big mouth keyboard warrior. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in the debate I did on Israel-Palestine, uh, I, I did become ill. I did come in ill-prepared. But um, I'm going to be honest, Sean won that debate, even though I think he did a lot of obfuscations and didn't really engage with a lot of the facts that his side even agrees with me on. Um, but yeah, so like when I put forth ideas with nuance, facts and evidence, if somebody comes out with confident bullshit, they win every single time. Uh, Brad Paisley was a huge letdown in West Virginia that sold out and went to Ukraine to shake the comedian president's hand. Um, I think they're not necessarily more creative, but they could just encourage more investment of the arts. The right could be just as, um, just as if not more creative, but they hate investing money in law and in, in money loss potentially. Well, yeah, but I mean, like to that point though, um, I think that there's a lot less big money floating around on the right. So I think they have to be a little bit more discerning in how they invest their money. So like when it comes to the daily wire stuff, like look at what is a woman, like, I get it that film was hugely successful, but like, what did that really do other than just like carry on the clown show? <laughs> like, I don't think you're really going to change everybody's mind that's going to watch that movie, anyways. Like, people mostly watch that to be entertained. There was no debate to be had there. All it was was Matt Walsh basically just patting himself on the back and confirming what he already knew and then showing leftists have meltdowns, which don't get me wrong, I love watching. It's entertaining watching a fucking dumpster fire, but like, what was the purpose of that at the end of the day? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it was just entertainment. And like the right needs that you need to embolden your base. And I think you need to um, invest in your base and give them reasons to support you. But like, I don't think making what is a woman is getting people to invest in your base or like really getting a huge um, return. I, <laughs> I'd vote to Ted Nugent in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I like Ted quite a bit too. I mean, I'm sure there's things I disagree with him on, but um, when he was on Joe Rogan last night, he was talking about abolishing the ATF, which is awesome, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other stuff. So yeah, I mean, I Ted knew just a man. I'm gonna be honest. I I like a lot of what he has to say. Like I said, I'm sure there's things that we disagree on, but I mean, like the fact that he's out there and he's a good guitar player and he's competent and he's in great shape for being like 70 years old. I mean, he's an impressive person. So like, that's what we need more of. Like. Trump is a lot more impressive than Biden because he didn't make his money, his empire on being, you know, a huge crony capitalist. I mean, I'm sure there's shit that Trump did that nobody in the elite sphere didn't do. Uh, he has great, he has great debates. Yeah. Um, but like Trump's a much more impressive person than Biden because Biden's made his entire career on being the corrupt Democrat. I mean, that's what he's known as being. He, the talking point right now is the uh, Biden crime family. That's how he made his living. Um, but that being said, like someone like Ted Nugent, he has an impressive history. He's, you know, successful hunter, successful musician, um, a very competent person when it comes to politics and stuff like that. He's an impressive elite. He's impressive. That's what we need. 
good almost afternoon good morning belly good to see you brother glad you could drop by um but yeah people like that just where's all our impressive people i know i said at the beginning of the show tucker elon's impressive um the left really doesn't have that many impressive people that i could think off the top of my head um like where are the impressive people amongst us and like i i'm i'm curious to see where a lot of people who are millennials like i think um Vivek is a millennial because he's 38 or something like that. So maybe he's a millennial. Um, I think the oldest millennial is probably close to 40 years old. But you, you, I'm, I'm curious to see over the next couple of decades, like what are the next elites going to look like? Because a lot of them are starting to die off now. So like your Oprah's, your Biden, your Trump, they're also freaking old now. Like, why can't we have a president that's under like 80 years old? As I said in the beginning of the show, um, that's kind of why I liked DeSantis a little bit. And granted, I vehemently disagree with DeSantis on a lot of stuff, but I mean, at least he represented like a new face amongst Republicans and he was a more competent executive than Trump was like when it comes to 2020, he was able to decisively take steps against, you know, the woke industrial complex and COVID uh, the last poll, maybe 30 last poll was 38%. Maybe people are waking up. We can hope um, if you're referring to Biden or Trump, I, I, I think you're right, but I, uh, Biden's numbers aren't good and even Trump's numbers aren't that good but they're better than Biden's reasonably so because like <laughs> if we're looking at Biden he can't walk he can hardly talk he's kind of sleepwalking through things and generally a lot of his base is just surrounded around people who don't like Trump and people could say that's not enough to decide an election a lot of people really don't like Trump but a lot of people don't like Biden too so I, I think it's just that um People are sick of being presented two old corpses that are crony to their core, granted by more crony than Trump, and they want an alternative. Um, I wish we could have a president in their late 30s, early to mid 40s. Well, like I said, this is kind of why I like Vivek and uh, DeSantis is because they were younger. They were newer faces who at least had different ideas and went about things in a different way. Um, I hate Biden. <laughs> If I had a chance, I'm sorry, Trump. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely agree with that, too. Um, I'm probably... I think the nomination for the Libertarian Party is going to go to Michael Rechtenwald, who's interacted with me a little bit on Twitter. Maybe I'll get him on the show. Um, okay, yeah, Biden approval rating. We need young people. Problem is wisdom comes with age. Well, you know what? RFK is polling the best with younger people. Like, I think actually RFK's numbers are actually better than Trump. And obviously better than Biden's numbers when it comes to younger people. But then, like, um, when I looked at the data for younger voters, um, they flocked to DeSantis compared to Trump. So um, I don't know what the numbers are exactly with, like, active younger voters. But a lot of them, they don't like old people anymore. Like, they're sick of seeing baby boomers and older people run our economy. Um, but I've been looking to Vikram Swami since you said something about him. Well, yeah, I mean, like, when you look at overall who we got, were ran by just old people so you know mitch mcconnell nancy pelosi feinstein um trump biden uh t -t -t whoever you can think of it's like the establishment right now and people would say trump's not the establishment but i don't know if you're the president of the united states you're kind of this establishment granted he's like a better establishment than what we have now but i still think we need to push the overton window towards something a little bit better um but you're um people just want somebody younger at this point um i don't know what that's gonna look like uh but i gotta get rolling here soon i think uh i'm supposed to go meet up with uh a mutual friend a guest of the show 
Taylor Shiring. Him and I are going to go out for lunch. So um, if you guys don't got anything else, no super chats, not like that. It was a lively chat. I really, really enjoyed talking to everybody today. Make sure you go to foxandsonscoffee.com and use code Kyle at checkout. Um, I'm sure young people will not agree, um, but sorry, the death of wisdom, wisdom. Uh, but then again, letting these old prunes burn the nation of people. It's impressive. We also um, invest in our young people to make them better. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I get what you're getting at, but um i think a lot of people are burned out and this was kind of my point when it came to the 2020 stuff i know a lot of people want to say the election was stolen i don't fucking know um there is some evidence but i don't know if it's significant enough to say that like hey this swung the election one way or another i think a lot of people are looking at 2020 and saying like people my age and I'm not saying I agree with this analysis i think this is just where people's minds were in 2020 when you had trump in 2020 saying well keep america great and your business got shut down, you were locked in your home, people were floating out that you had to take a certain medical treatment to go back to work and be allowed into a grocery store. And Trump's telling you everything is absolutely fantastic. Um, so you should vote for him again. I think a lot of people were turned off by that. And then, you know, they're in mountains and mountains of student debt until they had to go into that student debt to become successful. I think people my age looked at that and said, well, this isn't great. So Biden's not Trump. So I'm just going to vote for Biden. I don't agree with this analysis, but I think that's where a lot of people's headspaces were. And I think that's where a lot of people's headspaces are now. The economy's doing horrible. Um, we're in all these wars. Uh, you know, Biden doesn't speak for me, so I'm going to vote for somebody else. Well, that somebody else is now Trump and to a lesser degree, RFK. Uh, we need to show our young people what our wisdom can do for them. We need to stop shutting out our young stir personalities and ideas to spend time with them, help them make them become better. People stop criticizing youngest for all their ideas and maybe look at them as maybe a new idea and work with them on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's funny that um, my dad had said that because I tell people all the time, like, I think dad has the right ideas and that he understands younger people's plea a lot better than other people, which, which makes me very, very happy, actually, that, um, that you understand a lot of the younger people's plea because there's not a lot of older people who understand. And like, they say, oh, well, all you stupid millennials are entitled. And yeah, there is some of that, but like, we need to have an honest conversation about, um, why they're so entitled and how this kind of came to be so you know maybe i'll do that on a show later this week um this week's gonna be a really really cool show um really really cool guest that is uh, i have jay dyer coming on on wednesday which i think is gonna be a fantastic show it's gonna get pretty deep and i'm gonna have to do quite a bit of preparation for that so i know i was supposed to go a few minutes ago but uh for real this time guys thank you so much for listening um Make sure you get all the links below where you can find me, what I got going on. Follow me on Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, make sure you tune in. I think it's 7 p.m. I'm going to have Jay Dyer on this Wednesday. So um, if you guys don't got anything else, thank you guys so, so much. And uh, until next time, take care.